One of the most important skills that you need for life, that I need for life, is to be able to carry on uh, in adversity and disappointment. And that applies to virtually everything in life. It's one of those laws of the kingdom uh, that even unsaved people recognize. Uh, Athletes, coaches, bosses, and teachers all talk about overcoming adversity pressing on through hard times. Uh, there's, there's nobody who's successful at anything uh, who hasn't learned to do that. Uh, in fact, one of, the, one of the dangers of trying to protect your kids from, from all trouble and all failure uh, is that they don't learn how to cope with those things. And we all have to learn that there are problems in life and how to face them, how to keep going uh, with, with, a, with a positive attitude. And this is an essential quality to our lives in Christ. It just is. Uh, It's an essential quality to our spiritual walk. Uh, When Paul reached the end of his life, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. Uh, he He meant that he had never quit, that he had never pulled back, that he never stopped living all out for Jesus Christ no matter what happened to him. We all get hurt in some way in this life. We all get wounded in life's battles. And some are tempted to withdraw from an active walk with the Lord. Uh, Some are tempted to withdraw from God's people. Uh, Some are tempted to withdraw from actively serving Jesus, actively serving other people in his name. Don't let that happen to you. You know, I beg you, I urge you, I beseech you this morning in the name of Jesus. Don't let that happen to you. Carry on, carry on through your hardships. Remain true to Christ and to his people. Continue firm in faith to the end. You know, Jesus Christ, of course, is our, is our ultimate example of this. Uh, we are told to run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We are told to consider Jesus, who endured such hostility or such opposition from sinners, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. God has called you, God has called me, God has called all of us to overcome to keep going, to keep running through, through all the drama, through all the problems, through all the setbacks until the very end. One of my uh, favorite commentators that I've quoted frequently, David Guzik, said, it is no small thing to walk with the Lord year after year, trial after trial. It takes a strong soul and an encouraged faith. And that's why Paul and Barnabas went back to these churches and it says they strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. You need a strong soul and an encouraged faith. And you need need to do everything possible to strengthen your soul, to keep your soul strengthened, to keep your faith encouraged in order to face 
the, the many tribulations or the many hardships that Paul and Barnabas said are going to be there on your road to the kingdom of God. And, you know, the, the state of your soul uh, and the state of your faith is nothing to play around with. I mean, when, when you sense that, that your faith is weakening or wavering, man, it's, it's time to take action. You don't just let that happen. You need to make sure that you get your faith built back up, that you get your soul strengthened and encouraged. It's truly, truly the most important thing you have to take care of day after day for the rest of your life, having a strong soul and encouraged faith. Well, the most important word in, in this chapter might be continued. Uh, despite despite what, what uh, people did to Paul, he continued. Uh, despite, despite being stoned, he continued. Uh, no matter what happened to Paul and Barnabas, verse 6 of this chapter says, they continued to preach the gospel. And that's the message that they gave to other believers. Uh, I wish maybe I'd put this version in, in uh, the ESV, which I think communicates a little bit different. Verse 22 says, they strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. Uh, the word translated continue in the ESV, it means, it means to abide. It means to remain, to persevere, to be true, to remain true. Uh, the, the NIV, which we have in our bulletin, that's what it says. It says to remain true, but the word is, is, is to continue, to abide, to, to persevere, to, to keep going on. And I truly believe it's one of the most important messages God has for you as a believer. I, I feel like it's one of the most important lessons that, that I've had to learn and relearn and keep going back to my, my entire uh, Christian life. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly, unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The Amplified says, Let us seize and hold fast or hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. So I don't, whether, you, whether you prefer the word without wavering or unswervingly, you get the idea. You know, when, when, we're, when we're driving down the road, you don't want to swerve off the road. And if that, if that road pictures a steadfast, bold, aggressive, confident faith, anything off that road is, is swerving off the road. And you, you don't want to swerve off the road. Or maybe you like the word waver. You know, you're, we're just to be fixed, living with this bold, confident faith, joyously uh, proclaiming and living in all the truths of the gospel. And we're not to waver from that. Paul told Timothy, fight, fight a good fight or fight the good fight or fight the battle well, the NIV says, holding on to your faith. We're, we're called to fight a good fight of faith. Sometimes it's a fight to keep your faith strong, keep it firm, unwavering. And Paul warns that some have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. It's interesting that he told Timothy that. He told Timothy, hey, hey, Timothy, 
I want you to hold firm to your faith. I want you to fight a good fight. Because some people have, have suffered shipwreck regard to their faith. I don't want that to happen to you. Some people don't continue. Don't be one of them. That's what Paul said to Timothy, and that's what, this is, what God is saying to us this morning. Don't, don't be one of those. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Gospels, and it, it's, it sounds like kind of a hard, a hard, a hard verse in some way, but um, it's, one that's, it's one that's really kept me going. And it's the verse where Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And it sounds like that's kind of an ominous statement, but I don't know how many times I've just, I've just said, you know, I, I already put my hand to the plow and I'm going to keep going. No matter what, no matter how I feel, no matter wh- who says what, no matter what happens, I put my hand to the plow and I'm going on. I'm not going to look back. Acts 13.42, Josh spoke on last week. Paul and Barnabas urged the believers to continue. There's that same word, continue in the grace of God. And, you know, it's interesting when we talk about continuing or pressing on. Um, we're, obviously, we're talking about pressing on through hard things, but we're actually talking about holding fast or holding, holding our faith in incredibly good things. We're talking about continuing on in the grace of God. In other words, hold on to the blessings you have in Christ. Continue believing these things. Continue enjoying these things. Continue rejoicing in those things. Everyone who believes in Jesus, Paul said in Acts 13, has forgiveness of sins. Everyone who believes in Jesus has has the gift of justification. We're released. We're freed from keeping laws as a means of gaining approval from God. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on us. The Holy Spirit has come to live within us, enabling us to walk in love and joy and peace and righteousness and hope. And our response to this grace is to continue in it, to hold fast to it in faith and to not let anything that happens to us move us away from living in faith, and in the joy, and in the hope of the gospel. So here's what I want to do this morning. I, I'm gonna, I want to go back through, through this chapter, and I know we didn't read the whole chapter. We only read a little bit of it. Uh, I hope that many of you will, will go back and spend some time in, in Acts chapter 14, the whole chapter. But I want to go back through this chapter, and I want to show how Paul and Barnabas themselves continued on through many hardships, despite incredible opposition and trouble. And I think that that will help us know what it looks like to keep going on, to, con- to continue in the faith. So here we go. I'm going to start at the end of chapter 13. The end of chapter 13 tells us that the Jewish leaders stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas at Antioch. And again, this is a different Antioch. This is an Antioch that's in, in Turkey, what is modern-day Turkey, rather than the Antioch where Paul and Barnabas were sent out from the church at Antioch, which is in modern-day Syria. So the Jewish leaders stirred up persecution in Antioch, and they, it says they expelled them from the region. 
In other words, they kicked them out of town. Have you ever been kicked out of anything? Maybe some of you have, Gary. <laughs> Maybe you've been kicked out of a, of a group. Maybe you've been kicked out of a church. Maybe you've been kicked out of your family or your job or a circle of friends. Well, what would it feel like if you were kicked out of the city of Ankeny? I mean, what if the whole city rose up against you and said, we don't like you. We don't want you here. We don't want you in, your sit- in our city. How, I mean, how would you feel? How would you react? Well, here's how Paul and Barnabas reacted. Luke says, They moved on to the next city, Iconium, and spoke the gospel so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. That was their response to being kicked out of the city. They had already decided in their heart, they had already decided in their heart a long time before they got kicked out of the city, to continue in the faith no matter what. What if Paul had given up and gone home because of how he was treated at Antioch? I mean, the whole, the whole mission, mission would have gotten blown up before it hardly got started. All right, it says, a great number believed. Fantastic things were happening. But then almost immediately it says, certain Jews and Iconium stirred up other Gentiles, and it says they poisoned their minds and hearts against Paul. Have you, have you ever had anyone poison other people's thoughts about you? It happened to Paul on a regular basis. And it says, Then both Jews and Gentiles and city leaders plotted to stone Paul and Barnabas. When Paul and Barnabas found out they were going to be stoned, they fled to Lystra and Derbe. So even with all that they were experiencing, they, they continued on. They continued on to the next town, Lystra, where this amazing thing happened. There was a, there was, it says, Luke tells us in Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his who could not use his feet, the ESV says, or he was crippled from birth, a man who had never walked in his life. And while Paul was preaching about Christ, this man, this crippled man, listened. And Paul could tell that he was listening with faith. And, you know, I don't know exactly how that happened, but one of the things I know as, as a speaker, and I know the worship team senses it too, when you're up in front and you're speaking you can usually tell who is with you and is listening and is responding. And somehow people, Paul could tell this man was listening with faith. So verse 9 says, Paul looked directly at him and he saw that he had faith to be healed and he called out, stand on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Man, what a great sight. And, and I would love to take time to talk about healing and the faith to be healed. Uh, but we're going a different direction this morning. <laughs> the thing I believe God wants us to see here this morning is how Paul continued to speak. He continued to give himself away to other people in the name of Jesus. And he was there and available and ready to pray, to pray and to heal this man in the name of Jesus. Immediately after people had just 
plotted to stone him. He kept this outward focus of giving himself away in Jesus' name. And that's how we're to keep going. No matter what people say, no matter what people do, no matter what stones are thrown at you, you move on to the, to the next person and, and, you, and you're ready to, to love them. You're ready to give yourself away. You're ready to, to, to heal the sick, to, to teach, to encourage, to lift up the downhearted. You're ready to do that. You're just, you're, you're, that's because you decided in your heart a long time ago that you're going to continue on no matter what. What if Paul had, had quit preaching because of all the mean things said about him at Iconium? What if he had said, hey, people reject me. They want to stone me. This is just too dangerous. It's no fun anymore. It's too hard. I'm going to find something easier and more comfortable to do. Well, the people of Lystra and Derby would not have heard the message about Jesus. Uh, this man who had never walked in his life never would have walked. And, and I understand I'm talking humanly. I, I understand, you know, that God's plans cannot be stopped in his sovereignty. But, you know, even the Bible says, how will they hear without someone preaching? I mean, there's, God uses human means. And if the, if the human being that's sent on this mission quits and gives up and withdraws, it, it, it does affect things. Well, after seeing this miracle... And some of you, I'm sure, know this story. Some may not. But after seeing this miracle, at first, the people in this town thought Paul and Barnabas were gods who had come down from heaven. They thought Paul, they, they, they thought Paul was Zeus and Barnabas was Hermes. And Paul and Barnabas had to stop them from worshiping them. And they said, no, we are only human, human beings. We are only men like you. We aren't gods. But we are calling you to turn to the living God. But very soon, after they had worshipped them as gods, very soon, it says, people from Antioch and Iconium came to Lystra and turned this crowd against Paul. Okay, just a few hours ago or a few days ago, they're, they're, they have to stop them from worshipping them. Now this whole crowd has been turned against Paul and Barnabas. Verse 19 says, They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. You know, Paul refers to this himself in 2 Corinthians, uh, I think it's chapter 14, where he, where he lists all the hardships, all the suffering that he went through. Uh, he mentions being imprisoned and the many times that he was beaten. And then he simply says, and once I was stoned. Uh, kind of astonished at the brevity of that. You know, I'm sure we would want to go on and on about that. But he just says, and once I was stoned. Now, you know, to be, do you want to be stoned? Uh, meant, I mean, to be stoned uh, was a method of ex- execution you were forced to stand at a, at a particular place and while people threw stones at you until they were convinced you were dead. It was, common, it was a common method of execution in that day. And they had obviously so badly, they had so badly pummeled Paul's body with stones, 
they were convinced he was dead. They drug him out of the city, certain that he was dead. But verse 20 says, after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. I think the disciples were gathered around him praying for his life. And God answered them. But how good do you think your body would feel after being stoned? How could that play on your feelings and your attitudes and emotions? But it says the next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. Amazing. I mean, the, the determination to press on, to continue in the faith, to follow the assignment, to do what God called them to do. It was amazing. The resolve to remain true. Again, I ask, what if Paul had said, okay, I can put up with a lot, but when people start stoning me, that's where I draw the line. I've had it. Again, what, what about all those people who were saved at Derby? Who would have proclaimed the message to them? Paul continued just like you can continue and just like you're called to continue. And look what he did next. He and Barnabas returned. That's a very, very important word. They returned to Lystra, to Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, telling them through many hardships we must enter the kingdom of God. They returned. They went back to these very places where they'd been abused and mistreated. They went back to these very places where they'd been kicked out of town. They went among the very people who had tried to stone them and kill them so that they could encourage those who had followed Jesus. Going on, the rest of the chapter says, Paul and Barnabas, they, they kept on their mission. Uh, in these, at these towns, they appointed elders for the believers in each church. It says, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. But I want you to see and realize uh, what, a, what a big cost Paul paid, Paul and Barnabas paid personally to establish the churches. They, they took big risks to go back and appoint elders, to appoint men that would watch over the souls of these new believers. And then this chapter ends with Luke telling us that they sailed back to Antioch in Syria to the church where they had been sent out by the Holy Spirit. And Luke says, to the church where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled or completed. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Just This is kind of a bunny trail, but the thing that impresses me is, you know, they could have gone back and said, we are never doing that again. We were abused, rejected, and stoned. We're lucky to be alive. That's, 
that's not the report they gave. They came back and declared all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Their eyes were on all that God had done. Again, if Paul and Barnabas had gotten discouraged and withdrawn, they would not have fulfilled their God-given mission. The mission on which the Holy Spirit sent them. Remember in the church at Antioch, there'd been, they had a service, they had a worship service where they, where they were teachers and prophets. They were ministering to the Lord or worshiping the Lord. And almost, uh, almost for certain, uh, the Holy Spirit through, spoke through one of the prophets and said, set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. And they went out sent by the Holy Spirit. They did all of these things that God asked them to do. And then they came back and reported this. And as a result, a door of faith, it says, a door of faith was opened for the Gentiles. And that door of faith to the Gentiles would not have been opened, at least not by them, if they had quit and given up and not continued on. Again, I understand that God will accomplish his plans, no matter what. But, it, but again, it doesn't change the fact that when people shipwreck the faith, when people do not continue on in the faith, there are real losses that come with unfaithfulness. All right. What I want to do the rest of the message here, I want to, I again, just talk a little bit about, very plainly, what does it look like what does it look like to continue in the faith? What does this look like in, you, in your life? What does it look like in other people's lives? We, we've, we've seen what it looks like in Paul and Barnabas, and I'm going to draw on that. I'm going to talk a little bit about that, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come really what I believe is the most important part of the message at the end, which is how do we do that? How do we continue on? How do we keep going on and making sure that we finish strong and run with perseverance? All right, first, people, this is back under what does it look like in a person. People who, can, people who continue, people who continue in the faith, they seek to always be filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, no matter what happens to them or what goes on around them. And the very, the very last verse of, of chapter 13, which really kind of sets up this whole story, it says the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And the amazing thing about that statement, it's made when the disciples were encountering such severe opposition that they had to be kicked out of the city and go somewhere else. They were, they were not, they, they had problems, they had big problems, but they were not just dragging themselves through life with depressed and discouraged spirits. And sometimes we do that, and God understands. But that is not what God has called us to. It's not God who calls us to live that way. God intends for us to go on overflowing with joy and with the Spirit. In life's ups and downs and disappointments, when you get mistreated, Paul would say, don't go... Don't go get drunk with wine to cover your sorrows, but go be filled with the Spirit. Go be filled, filled with the Spirit, singing and making melody in your heart, rejoicing, always giving thanks in all things. Come to the Spirit. 
Come to the Holy Spirit and drink the joy and the power you need to go on. I love the song that we sang this morning, the old one that we sang. This is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. That's, that's not just, that's not just a, a concept. It's a reality. Your holy presence living in me. That's how I live. That's how we go on. It's the, it's the most powerful truth. Seek to be filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, people who continue in the faith go keep on giving out the life of Jesus to other people no matter what has happened to them or what is going on around them. People who continue, that's, that's what you see them doing. You, you, you see them... You see them going through hard things, but you see them continuing to give themselves away to others in the name of Jesus. And again, I I point out how Paul healed that crippled man when his own life was in danger. It's possible to become so focused on our issues, on our problems, on our past, that we, we literally lose sight of the good news of Jesus. And we need to keep our attention on all the goodness, all the love, all the grace that has been shown us in Jesus Christ, and then just keep being ready to give that out to others. In the midst of our own problems, we encourage someone else. In the midst of our own problems, we talk to someone else about Jesus. In the midst of our own problems and suffering, we pray for healing for those who are sick. We bring meals to others. We give gifts to others. We encourage others. I don't want to embarrass any anyone, um, but I, I remember with some of the stuff that Marcy was, was going through and how she brought uh, a meal. I think she brought pizza to the Janicek family. Uh, and I don't remember the situation. It was when they got water in their basement or what. But I just I just was so blessed by that, that example. Someone who was going through deep trial and yet, doing something for someone else to lift them up, to encourage them. Whatever God has gifted and called you to, you keep doing it. You continue. Uh, Paul was called an, an apostle, a messenger of Jesus Christ. He kept doing that. Uh, maybe it means you keep, you, you keep on teaching that Sunday school class, or you keep going to that Bible study or you keep showing up on Sunday, you keep praying for people, you keep encouraging people, you keep doing and serving in whatever ways you know in your spirit that God has called you to do and serve. All right, and the last thing under what kind of what it looks like on people, very much related to the first one, but, but I, I want to make just a, a minor distinction here for, this la- or for the last one, but I want to make a minor distinction here. People who continue keep on serving, loving, and building up the church. People who continue keep on serving, loving, and building up the church day after day, week after week, year after year. Paul suffered. He, he, I mean, he went through all his suffering. He kept pressing on. He did that for the church to build and establish these assemblies of believers and to strengthen people in those assemblies and gatherings. 
Uh, you know, if, if you wait to give yourself to the building up of the church family till your problems are over, it just will never happen. Uh, you, you, do, you do all you can to encourage, to build and bless the church while you, right while you're dealing with your own problems. And sometimes those problems are big. That's the only way it works. It's the only way it works. All right, I want to I wrap up this morning by talking about how do you continue on in the faith? How do, you, how do we do this? How do we just keep going on? How do we keep pressing on through tribulations and through hardships? Well, first, you embrace the reality that we enter the kingdom of God through many hardships. That's what Paul said. That's what Paul and Barnabas said. They went back to the, these places and they told the people, it's going to be hard. It's going to be rough. There's going to be many tribulations. There's going to be many hard things. Saying, that's how, it, that's, that's how it's going to be. It's how it must be. We must enter the kingdom of God through many tribulations. And so you embrace that. You embrace that reality. Um, when you know that God said it would be hard, you're, you're not disillusioned when it is hard. Uh, you may not understand all of your suffering and problems, but you know to expect it and accept it even, even if you don't understand it. And in a sense, what, here, here's what I envision Paul and Barnabas doing. Uh, they, they were like inoculating the believers against losing heart by telling them beforehand that it's going to be rough. And that doesn't mean that life is always hard. It's not. There's incredible blessings in this life and much good, even, even in this fallen world. But it is so important to be totally prepared in your spirit for that day when things are really tough. Like Paul says in Ephesians 6, so that you may be able to stand in the evil day or in the day of evil. There is that day of evil, that time of evil, evil, that season of evil. And you, you need to be able to stand. You need to be prepared for that. And, you know, Peter said being prepared for suffering is, is like an armor. He says, arm yourselves with this purpose, for the purpose of suffering. It's like a protection to you. It's like a protection to your soul and your heart to just, to just be ready for that. Secondly, under how you continue. You continue by making a personal decision to finish the race well. Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. When Paul and Barnabas exhorted believers to continue in the faith, they expected them to respond to that word. David said in Psalm 27, 8, When you said to me, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Okay? That's what you do with what God says to us. God says, run with perseverance. And you say, your heart says, yes, Lord, with perseverance, I shall run. 
course you need his strength. And I'm going to address that. But it, it's so important that you make the decision to run the race and to keep running. And that you're going to keep running. When, when, when the scripture says, run with perseverance, the race that is set before you, God wants you to respond to that. He wants you to, re- to, to receive that, to respond to that in your heart and, and to decide that, to make a decision in your spirit. And I think you also decide to do those things that will help keep you running. You, you, you decide to do things, to make choices that will strengthen your soul. We all, we all have feelings of disappointment. We all have times of disappointment and discouragement. We all have hardships. And so you, you, you do those things that you know will strengthen and encourage yourself in the Lord. You, you, know, you, you listen to sermons. My wife is great at this. She always has a sermon on it. And I, I kind of get blessed by just listening to, to the messages that, that she listens to. Read something that you know will lift you up. I'm reading a book right now by uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, which I'm going to quote from a little bit later, called Living Water. It's about that thick, and it's all on uh, Jesus' uh, Jesus meeting with the woman at the well, the entire book. But it's fantastic. I mean, I've been so nourished uh, by, by, by reading that. And again, I'll share some of that with you later. Sing. Go sing. Go worship the Lord. Lift, lift up your hands to the Lord. Uh, I remember a guy, I can't remember his name right now. He's, he was on the radio a few years ago. Uh, and uh, he said, don't, don't wait to lift your hands until your heart and your emotions feel like raising your hands. He said, many times I, I lift up my heart by raising up my hands. Go worship the Lord. Go sing to him even when you don't feel like it. Go get alone with the Lord. Uh, I, I, sure, I'm kind of strange, but I love to go to a coffee house and get a cup of coffee by myself and just talk things over with Jesus. You know, just commune with him. And I mean, I get so refreshed and lifted up by that. Then third, you continue on. You, you become a person who continues on, who remains true to the faith, by staying in the church. By staying in community with other believers. You just do. Uh, hang out with other people who are finishing strong. Hang out with other people who are God seekers. Hang out with other people who love Jesus. In spite of their own problems and hardships. And again, this exhortation was given to people who were, who were in assemblies in, in, of believers. They were... In churches, this message was given to them. Paul's purpose was to gather them in churches and to appoint elders. That's the whole mission. And he was expecting them uh, to continue in the faith in these assemblies of believers, interacting with each other, and that at least being a part of the way that they were strengthened to continue in the faith. Again, as I quoted earlier, the writer of Hebrews said, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And you know what the next verse is, or the next statement that follows right from that? And let us consider how we may, basically saying, okay, here's, I'm going to tell you how to do that. 
Okay, if you want to run with perseverance and hold on unswervingly to, to the hope you profess, here's how you do that. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, so it's just like, wow, as the Lord's coming approaches, we just do this more and more. And I would even say, meet, meet more, meet more, not less, when you feel your faith fainting. You know, it, it's the, the, the human, normal human response is, I don't feel very spiritual, kind of down. Uh, I, don't, I don't feel like I should, should go to Bible study or church or get with this person. It's just, it's just, that's the tendency. But meet more, not less, when you feel your faith in need. And then here's the last thing I want to share with you about how you continue. And this is the most important thing of the whole message uh, you you continue on. You run your race. You fight the good fight by continuing to trust in the life of Jesus Christ within you. Yeah. His holy presence living in me. You know, one Saturday morning a few weeks ago, or actually it was our last men's meeting before the one that we had yesterday, um, I, I woke up with this thought and I shared it with the guys. Uh, it's just that the very life of Jesus is pulsating and beating within us. You know, his life is stirring us up, raising us up, reviving us each day in the midst of our own weaknesses, in the midst of our hardships. You can count on that. You can believe that. You know, Paul said, uh, it, Paul said in Romans 5, the second Adam... Jesus Christ became a life-giving spirit. Do you know Jesus in that way? Do you know Jesus as a life-giving spirit? Pulsating, that's not a scriptural word, but it communicated to me, Jesus living, pulsating within you. I'm going to wait because I want you to hear this. Okay. All right. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, ultimately what it really means to be a Christian is that we have within us a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Yeah. Ultimately what it really means to be a Christian is that we have within us a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And then this is Martin, I'm still quoting him. He says, how do we stand up to life? How do we stand up to what happens to us in life? The object of this great salvation is to enable us to live in this world and to look forward to the glory that is to come. Without this life that Christ came to give, life is mere existence. And you will soon discover just that. When you are face to face with tragedy and calamity and find that you have nothing at all to enable you to handle it. That's what life is like without Christ. And, and, and sometimes I fear that some believers live almost as if that were the case. Instead, instead his, his point is that we have within us a well of water springing up into 
everlasting life. And that's, that's how we stand up to life. That's how we stand up to what happens to us in this life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. He did not mean by that life without adversity. He meant that his own life within us, within you, by the Holy Spirit, would be so abundant, so powerful, that we would have always have all that we need to be overcomers in the midst of whatever would come our way. So this continuing on, this pressing on, this running the race is not done in our own strength, in our own individual efforts, our own independent efforts. But as you find yourself in the midst of battles, as you find yourself in the midst of pressures, as you find yourself in the midst of disappointments, you actively trust in the life of Jesus within you to sustain you and to carry you and to strengthen you. Uh, You you get up in the morning. I I do this many times. I get up in the morning and I say, Father, I trust completely in your spirit within me to raise me up today, to stir me up, to carry me on, to enable me to love people and do what I'm supposed to do today. I trust in you, in me, to do this, to raise me up, to do this. And that's, that's, that's biblical. <laughs> Paul said in Ephesians 1.19, I want you to know the great and mighty power that God has for us or has toward us who believe. It's the same mighty, awesome power that God used when he raised Jesus from the dead to sit at his right hand in heaven. So you remind yourself each day that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me to raise me up for all that I must do and all that I must face and all that I must overcome this day. You speak in faith. You face your life in faith. You say, like David, you are the strength of my life. My heart may fail me. My flesh may fail me. But you, Lord, are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You say, you say with Paul, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, athletes have, have kind of hijacked this verse to mean that I can do anything uh, on the basketball court or on the football field or wherever. Uh, I, I can do anything through Christ. Well, but the, the context of this verse means something more like, I can handle anything that comes my way through him who strengthens me. Or I can live under any condition through him who strengthens me. I can face anything. I can have very much or I can have very little and still be content, happy through Jesus Christ. I can handle it all through him who lives in me and strengthens me. You know, I, uh, this is a, maybe a bit of a sidetrack here too, but I saw a t-shirt on our trip that, that had shortened this this very precious verse to just, I can do all things. You know, what a shame. What a shame. The world, they've taken a, 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 a statement of bold confidence in Jesus Christ and twisted it into a statement of boasting in themselves. That, that's, what this, that's not what this passage is about. That's not what this message is about this morning. It's saying, I know I can go through anything because Jesus Christ lives in me by his spirit and enables me for everything and anything. So 
at those times when you don't feel like going on, when you, at those times when you don't feel like you can keep running the race. That is when you most trust in the power of Christ in you by his spirit to sustain you and to renew your strength and to carry you forward. And the Bible says those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. So God says to you this morning, uh, continue in the faith. Remain true. Run with perseverance. And so I simply ask you, what is the response of your heart? What is the response of your heart? What, what, do, you, what do you say back to the Lord when he says that? I yes. say yes. You say yes? Amen. <laughs> we say yes with you, Alicia. Amen. All right, let's pray.